Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. First off, a thank you to everybody who took the time to message or email me about the last podcast that seemed to really strike a chord with many folks. And it's funny because I've mentioned this before. There are certain times I do a podcast and I get done with it and I'm not sure if it's a good podcast or not. It's like, does anybody really care about this? Is this just me rambling on? And this was one of the ones that I thought it was a good idea to start with. And then as I got further and further into it and got done with it and was doing some editing on it, I was like, is anybody really going to care? But it was really cool to hear from several people about how they appreciate me covering that topic, that it's something they've wrestled with, that the idea that, you know, they feel like that if they go into the hobby and they're not scared of old worlds right off the bat, that there's something wrong with them that's going to make them lesser of a keeper the fact that you know i think the way the hobby goes a lot of it we use the fear aspect to kind of keep people away from the spiders that could potentially be overwhelming that could potentially lead to somebody getting hurt getting that negative publicity toward the hobby that we absolutely do not want and i think there is you know there's an aspect of it that is constructive there's an aspect of it that does make sense that we want people to recognize there's a difference between picking up, I don't know, a little G. Porteri and picking up a piece of Letharia regalis. There's there's differences. However, as I've stated many times in the past, I think that we tend to sensationalize, we tend to hyperbolize, and we tend to go overboard sometimes in creating that, which should be respect, we create fear. And flip side, some people come into the hobby, they don't have that fear. They have no fear of spiders whatsoever, no fear of tarantulas. It's not that they don't worry about getting bitten, but they aren't, you know, they don't look at an OBT and immediately get the sweats and start worrying. That can be a confusing thing as well because I, you know, I've worked with snakes before and I know that I've, there are people that are absolutely terrified of snakes. For me, there was never that fear there. So I was able to progress differently through the hobby. So for folks that don't have that fear, but have the respect, that's the key. And I think everybody that came forward made a point of stating, listen, I'm not scared of them, but boy, do I respect them. There was nobody that came. And, and commented and said, hey, you know what? I'm not scared of them at all, and I want to handle all my OBTs or whatever. It, it was nothing like that. It was more of thanks for putting it out there that you can come into the hobby without a fear. You cannot be afraid of old worlds, but you can be respectful of them. There's a big difference. And again, one of my things constructive. One of them can be counterproductive and can get you in some bad situations. So uh, just a little thank you to those who took the time to message me and share that they appreciated that content because uh, again it's quite a few times now I put ones out that and it's funny because it always seems to be the ones I'm most worried about to get the best reaction so I suppose I should stop doubting my instincts and just go with it but you know it's hard to do these things week after week after week and not worry that you're going to put something out that people are going to go this was a total utter waste of my time so appreciate it moving on today we're going to talk a bit about my recent purchase from Kelly Swift I, I believe I alluded to this in the last podcast but I just posted the video of it and I wanted to talk about it here because there's well there's a couple aspects. First, I want to give credit to Kelly Swift, who's been in the hobby way before I got into the hobby, got serious into it, and been selling tarantulas, has a stellar reputation, and just by this weird way things worked out, I had not ordered from him in at all. I'm actually embarrassed to say it, because I, I had meant to, had every intention to, but just something always didn't work out, but I did break my own rule. I normally don't recommend anybody that I haven't purchased from personally, and I did break my rule because he does have a stellar reputation. I know many people that ordered from him. I know many people that I trust. They've told me how great he was, so I've continued to recommend him. Anytime anybody asks me, what are some people I can buy from, I always list 
Swift's inverts in it. So now I can join the club and say I purchased from them. It was a great experience. So let me just go a little bit about the transaction and the, you know the actual experience of what happened with the unboxing and what I got. And then we're going to jump into you know talking a little bit about what was in that box. And then we're going to do something that I've wanted to do for a while, but I haven't been able to do, which is kind of break down a rehousing where things might have gone wrong. So to kick it off, the transaction was fantastic. I ordered the spiders and I shot them an email because I was a little, I wanted to make sure they look like they were a quarter inch and that's a very tiny spider. So I asked a couple questions about the size, what they're eating. He responded back immediately with the fact that, you know, they're eating little crickets now. They're actually grown on, put on some size and out of that fragile stage. They're great hunters. And I thought that was awesome because again, a lot of the things, a lot of dealers, I understand they get busy. It can be difficult when you've just, you know, dropped, I don't know, five, 600 bucks sometimes, even if it's a hundred bucks on a spider and not get an immediate response. But I know a lot of people are busy. It can be tough getting back to people on time, but he did a great job getting back to me. And the box arrived, Bill and I went to go do the unboxing, and it was funny because in the video, if you watch it, I take out what I think are the vials with the spiders in it, and it looked like what he did was shipped it with the dirt and all the, you know, the fixings for the enclosure and put a little paper towels on the top just to make sure nothing bounced around. I thought they were in there, so I'm talking about the spiders the whole time. I take out the two vials, and then I open up this other thing, and there's more vials, and what he ended up uh, sending, and again, if you've seen the video, you already know this, but I thought it was really cool. He not only sent the spiders, he sent enclosures for both of the spiders. So right off the bat, there's no guesswork. This is what he's keeping them in. This is what I'm going to put mine back into. He also sent two vials of crickets, two different sizes. He had the little teeny pinhead crickets, and then he had larger crickets, larger, just the regular small, standard small size, for feeders. He also sent a freebie, which was a Pyramenia, which is awesome because my Pyramenia is getting quite old. It's one of the ones I'm worried about that might not have all that much time left, and I definitely want another female. So that was awesome as well. So it was an awesome little package. And then on the top, when you open up the box, there was a printout sheet, color printout sheet that told you just some tips about keeping tarantulas, what to put them in, how to make enclosures, what to use for substrate, how to feed everything somebody would need that was buying their first tarantula that maybe didn't do the research they were supposed to do, everything you would need to get started, which I thought was amazing. So just, it was nice because I'd recommended them for so many years and then to finally order and have it be this, you know, great of an experience, which is awesome. And I will definitely be making a point to order from him again because I want to get word out because a lot of people hadn't heard of him before, which is sad because he's been around for quite some time. And again, very well respected in the hobby. So the purchase was perfect. Communication was great. It was shipped out immediately. Everything was beautifully packed. He actually had to use a heat, uh, cold pack because I'm assuming it was hot there. It's been very hot here. It was, you have enclosures, you had feet. You had directions. Awesome experience. So for anybody looking for somebody to add to their list of buyers that they check, I know we all have our ones that we go around and check and see what they have in stock. Definitely look to Swift's invertebrates. They've got a lot. They've also got a lot of things beyond, obviously, just tarantulas. They have true spiders. They have centipedes at times, millipedes, scorpions, a lot of different stuff. And obviously, uh, actually not obviously, I never mentioned what I got because I wanted it to kind of be a surprise. The thing that I found there that was on my wish list for many, many years, I actually told my son Roan, who's obsessed with the big spiders, The about two weeks ago, we were talking about them. And I'm like, I don't think I'll ever be able to get them. It was Heteropoda maxima or the giant huntsman spider, also known as the largest spider in the world as far as leg 
span is concerned, they reach 12 inches. Now, th- there'll be somebody that comes on and says, well, that's debatable because we know for a fact that the Theraphosa species not only are heavier, have more mass, but there are ones that supposedly can go above and beyond that 12 inch, that mythical 12 inch mark. And I'm not going to discount that. I think that the old mark that we have in the, it was in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest spider being the T. Blondie. I think it was 11 inches. I'm guessing with captive raised, captive bred ones now, we'll probably exceed that. But it's still a gigantic spider, one of the biggest in the world, and one that I've been fascinated with for years. And the funny thing is, it was one of the huntsman spiders. Uh, fun fact here. When I was getting over, trying to get over my fear of spiders, obviously I picked up tarantulas, started working with tarantulas. Terrestrials were very easy to get over. Then the arboreals, Avicularia was nothing. I mean, it's, it's an arboreal, but they, they were just easy, Carabina versicolor, easy ones to kind of get over that fear with. And then I got a couple Salmopius species and no problems there. The Pisolotheria were the last genus of tarantulas that I would look at pictures of them online, online and it would actually freak me out. Like I'd look at them and it'd be like, whoa, that is a scary spider was just the look of them was different and then after I got over my fear of tarantulas I noticed that like jumping spiders no big deal some of the ones around the house no big deal huntsman spiders when I would look up videos or pictures of huntsman spiders I would start sweating it was like I still hadn't gotten or shaken that irrational fear of those spiders that would those were the ones that I would every once in a while be like yeah but I'm over my fear of spiders and I'd put on some videos on YouTube with the huntsman spiders and be like nope no way like one of those was in my house I'd be freaking out so obviously not that doesn't hold true anymore I finally got over my fear of all of them but they were always ones that I was super fascinated with because always that fear with that fear for me with spiders came an acute fascination with them so Always wanted some when I got my David Bowie's. I mean, how can you beat that? It's orange, which is one of my favorite colors, and it's a huntsman. Love those, but was constantly on the lookout for H. Maximus. I honestly didn't think we'd get them. So when I saw those up on Kelly's website, I, I don't think I've ever hit the buy button more quickly. Actually, the funny thing was, I was so shocked that he had them up that I was scrolling through, you know, I'm using my mouse and I'm scrolling through his stock and reading what they got. And I see H Maxima giant hunts. I'm like, Oh, that's nice. It didn't even register at first. Like there's, it didn't register that he could have actually had them. So I scrolled down and I'm like, wait a minute. And I scroll back up and I'm like, it is, it's H Maxima. And then I'm like, are they in? They're in stock. So finally got these guys. And the funny thing is, when I ordered them, I told Billy, and I'm like, you know, I'm telling her all about them, and like, you know, they can get to be 12 inches, probably at least 10 or 11, which is still an absolutely huge spider. And she's like, so are these as fast as the H. David Bowie's? And I'm like, yes, they are. <laughs> They're absolutely as fast because the H. David Bowie's, when we got those, that was like leveling up as far as rehousings, feedings, and keeping for me because I'm so used to tarantulas, which were people. We constantly refer to the fast ones and the teleporters. The H. David Bowies were in a totally different league. Like they t- take your fastest spider and these guys would run la- laps around them. And it was so bad that it was to the point where when I do feedings, we'd set up all the lights on the table. I'd have my catch, my big Tupperware container that I do rehousings in just in case. We'd have my son come in. We'd have my wife come in because what would happen sometimes is I'd go to crack that container to drop a prey at him in and the spider would bolt and those things 
boogie. They are able to move in like any direction. They don't have to readjust. Like spiders will kind of run one direction. They'll turn around, run the other direction. These guys just literally any direction, almost like a hummingbird flies. And they are super fast. They can leap. So it was, to say there were a handful would be an understatement. And it was a real wake-up call as far as I'm concerned because I've spent years, you know, doing rehousings and showing people how to do them, make sure the spiders don't escape. And then I get these guys. And it's like the first rehousing was a nightmare. The second rehousing was a nightmare. Feeding them, I had two different, I think two different occasions where one of them got out and we had to catch it, corral it, and get it back into the enclosure. Not a lot of fun, but I love them. So I'm sitting there talking to Billy. I'm like, yep, it's gonna be just as bad. And she's like, and you're telling me that unlike the David Bowies, they're gonna get to be like a foot long. Like, yep. And she's like, do they slow down? I'm like, nope, but at least they'll be easier to spot. So that was kind of the running joke that, you know, they're gonna be big, but we'll see it on the ceiling when it gets away. So getting these guys in, I was trying to prepare, and this is gonna lead to the what's gonna be the majority of the podcast we're gonna talk about. I was trying to mentally prepare myself. I always mentally prepare myself, whatever tarantula I'm about to rehouse in Ovialosophies, uh, again, fun little trivia fact, the first time Billy ever held the camera for me was for this spider when we went to do it because I didn't want my kids around the old worlds. My kids actually used to use hold the camera for me in the videos. And so we got to do this one again. And that's one that, you know, it's a fast species. It's got some potent venom. We want to make sure things go well. So I've been running that over in my head quite a bit. And usually what you do is you run over all the scenarios and like, all right, if it does this, we'll do this. And if it does that, so it's not like you're going in completely blind. I rehearse the stuff so that anything happens. Like I already thought about that. That's what we're going to do. So that it involves less on the fly thinking. I do pride myself in somebody being somebody that can think quickly on their, you know, on their feet. However, the if you prep, prep the stuff ahead of time, the less thinking you have to do on your feet, the less chances there are something's going to go wrong. That you're going to make a decision that doesn't pan out. So I do go over all this stuff and we did the same thing with the Huntsman. We were going over it. I'm like, this rehousing is going to be a nightmare. We're kind of joking about it. And then we went to do the rehousing and it was everything we expected more. And basically every bad case scenario that I had in my head kind of went wrong. We did and just to kind of spoil the story, but I, I don't want people to think I'm trying to drag the story out of the outcome to, you know, drag everybody along with it. They they went into their enclosures. It, it went well overall. First one was a little nuts. Second one was a little nuts, but we eventually got it in. But it was not what I would call an ideal rehousing. And there were definitely some things that went wrong that I should have thought of and that I should have done differently while we we're doing it. So for this one, we're going to kind of call it an anatomy of a rehousing gone wrong, even though it, it went well overall. But there were things there that went wrong that could have resulted in disaster. And one of the things over the years, I've had many people ask me, hey, you've said that you can spot things in rehousing videos where somebody could have done something differently and it resulted in the spider getting away. Could you possibly do like a reaction video where you go through and analyze somebody's rehousing video and explain where they went wrong? And I'm like, no, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. I'm not here to criticize other people. That would just be rotten and not my cup of tea. I when I go through the rehousings, I will do that for myself. And I will look at a situation like if somebody's got a spider that I'm about to rehouse and I'm watching it and it goes wrong. A lot of times I can go right there. There's a problem. You should have put the camera down here. You should have both hands here. You should use a catch cup here instead of just poking it. I can pick those things out, but I'm not going to do that to somebody else's video. That's just rude. And I wouldn't even ask anybody for permission to do that because it's just rude and it's putting me in a position like I'm critiquing somebody else. That's not what this is about. So that was never going to happen. However, this video gave me an awesome opportunity to kind of do it to myself. So that way nobody 
somebody's getting hurt feelings, I'm critiquing, critiquing things that I could have done differently. The nice thing is I've heard from some people afterwards that pointed out some things that the majority of which I, after rewatching the video, I critiqued it. I went through myself and I'm like, where could we have fixed this? Because obviously I didn't plan enough for this one. So a lot of this stuff I picked up on my own, but there were other things that people brought up. My buddy Mel emailed me, wonderful email telling me how she deals with her fast spiders with some great information in there. So it's easy to sit down with this one for me and go through and say, all right, here is what we could have done differently. So that's what this is going to be, a breakdown. Now, obviously, again, I'm not trying to force people to go over and watch videos. The idea, I know there's a lot of people that when you put on the podcast, you're listening to the podcast, going to work, you're at work, whatever it may be, and you can't really put a video on. This is one, though, that if you actually check out the video, you'll see all this stuff played out. I will describe it as best I can, but if you pop over there, you will see everything that I'm describing, and with the exception of one little section we cut out that I'll talk about in a moment, but it, it does... I think it'll be better with a visual, but you can listen to it as is, and I'll try to describe what happened, and I think it'll be pretty obvious overall just with the description. So to kick it off, number one, and this is the biggest mistake I made, which could have been incredibly costly and could have honestly resulted in us losing the spider, was the clothing that I wore. Usually I'm pretty strategic when I'm you know dressing up for a rehouse. If there's something that's going to kick hairs, I wear long sleeves. I will sometimes pull the sleeves down, button them up. Every once in a while, gloves are about to do a T-Blondie that I'll be wearing full gloves, sleeves down, covering up my arms in case they kick because I don't want those hairs on me. However, when doing smaller slings, it does not behoove you to have on loose fitting clothing or things that they can hide in the wrinkles, articles of clothing that allow them to uh, get up your sleeves. And I committed a cardinal sin right off the bat because full disclosure, I just had some tattoo work done and it was in the nasty peeling looks horrible stage and I didn't want it on camera in a possible close-up because it just looked gnarly. So I went, we're getting ready for the rehousing. I'm like, oh, I'll put on my, there's this nasty ratty brown shirt that actually somebody made fun of me for before. Like, hey, why don't you put on some nice clothes uh, that I wear when I do any work in the transfer room where I got to cover my arms. So I'm like, let me put this on. So I put it on. I did not cuff, I did not button the cuffs. I did not roll the thing. I kind of had it partially rolled up. And it's funny because we're setting up for the rehousing and I look down and I'm like, this is probably not a good choice of outfit for this rehousing because if it bolts, there's a possibility that it could get into the cuffs that I have on my sleeves. It could go up my arm and then I'm going to be screwed. So I thought about it right then and there. I should have told Billy to have, you know, to hold on. I should have went and either got a long sleeve t-shirt with tighter tighter cuffs so that they couldn't get up there or I should have just taken the thing off and gone on with the t-shirt that had underneath it but I didn't and that ended up being issue number one because what happens in the rehousing is we we get the box out we get the little spider outs in the little vial I open the vial I pull away some of the paper towels so you can see the spider and she got a beautiful close-up shot lingering close-up shot of the spider which was awesome and then I lower my hand, my left hand has the vial in it with the spider in it and I get the brush to get the spider out and the spider climbs right up goes right on my arm and climbs right up toward the cuff of my shirt, almost underneath it. And luckily, the only reason, it looks like super quick thinking on my part, and I guess I did remember this, but because I thought ahead of time that there could be a possibility of it getting up my sleeve, the first thing I thought to do was to grab my sleeve and pull it tight against my forearm so it couldn't get underneath. And it just kind of sat there right at the edge between my forearm and the sleeve. So this we had talked about beforehand. We talk about this all the time where if anything goes wrong, Billy's to drop the camera and help out. 
And we definitely talked about it before this one. And I was like, listen, anything goes wrong. I even allude to it while I'm introducing or talking about what we're going to do. I said, there's a point, there's probably a good chance we're not going to get footage because she's going to have to drop the camera. And she did. So what happened was, unfortunately, she didn't have her glasses on. Billy needs glasses for to see things close up. This is, if you see the spider, it's about a half an inch. And I made another bonehead move is not only did I wear the oversized shirt with all the folds and everything else but the colors were perfect for this spider camouflaging it's like a brown with some like yellowish tones in it and stripes and it made just a hideous background to try to spot a spider on if you're gonna wear something to rehouse where you're doing slings small slings try to wear something that's going to contrast with the color of the sling so if it does get on your back whoever's helping you out or even if it's just you and you're using a mirror you can see the sling against your clothing having something of that color was ridiculous dumb move on my part and made it even more difficult to spot the spider once it bolted so what happens is in the video is billy is trying to use the close-up the zoom on the phone to spot the spider because she can't see it and then she finds the spider and she's afraid to walk around because it's on my left. Billy's on my right. She's afraid to lose track of it. And while she's trying to adjust and do all that, and she still has a camera in her hand, the spider goes up my arm and around my back somewhere. So now we have a situation where the spider is out. It's on me. It's somewhere on my back. So Billy has to drop the phone. She grabs the enclosure, the ones that Kelly sent, and tries to find the spider. And what we have, we cut some of it out of the video because we were kind of, we were using naughty words, for lack of a better term. We were, it was one of those deals where stress was high. We were calm, but it was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Billy's like, what if I can't find it? I'm like, well, just keep looking. And finally, she spots it. She manages to get it into the enclosure. enclosure we get the top on it, and everything works out well. But oh my gosh, talk about, and if you see the video, you'll see the color of the shirt. You'll see what she has to do. The, the phone, she dropped the phone, but she left it recording. So we got the audio and I put some notes in there what was going on. But the fact that she was able to spot that spider was miraculous because again, she doesn't have her glasses on. The It's not particularly light behind me. I have lights over the table. There's not a lot of light behind me. I'm wearing a shirt that allows a spider to camouflage. And apparently what it did is it crawled in between some wrinkles somewhere on my back. And she just happened to spot it sitting there like, its legs hanging out of the wrinkles if it wasn't for that god only knows if we would have caught this spider it could have gone anywhere if it had gone up my sleeve that would have been a nightmare because it would have been not only difficult to locate the spider but it would have been difficult to get my shirt off and not harm the spider in the process so big boo-boo right off the bat with what i was wearing had i been wearing just a regular black even a black t-shirt i think it would have showed up on but if it's a white t-shirt probably even easier there wouldn't have been such an issue. It would have went up my arm, on my back. You would have seen it clear as day. She could have cupped it or you know, put the enclosure over it and grabbed it up. But because of what I wore, it made things much more difficult for her. It made things much more risky and added an extra level of difficulty that we honestly didn't need. It was a bonehead play. So it was one of those ones afterwards. I'm like, man, I should have gone with my instincts. I shouldn't have been worried so much about the tattoo. I could have just covered it up with a bandage or something. Dumb move on my part. So we get the first spider in and... Then we have to do the second one. Now, the problem is I didn't change anything between the first debacle and then the attempt to get the second one into the enclosure. And what is the definition of sanity doing the same thing more than once and expecting different results? I think it's something along those lines. This was one of those issues where it's, I think, uncharacteristic where we should have probably stopped it there and regrouped. But I think we were so stressed out after that one. We did stop. Actually, we did stop the video there and we discussed how to go about this. But I think my reaction was, uh, let's just hope this one goes better. And there probably there could have been some things we could have done differently. 
Now, for the second thing I'm going to critique on this one that I should have thought about more, and again, I'm coming to this, and this is why sometimes working with one type of animal doesn't necessarily work the same way working with another type of animal. Yes, I work with a lot of spiders. I work with a lot of big spiders. I work with a lot of tarantulas. I don't work with a lot of huntsmen. I don't work with a lot of true spiders, and there's a difference, trust me, especially when you talk about the speed and the ability to move. So with these guys... I set up enclosures. They were, I believe, 20-ounce deli cups. They're these bigger deli cups I get that I really like because they add a little more depth for if you want to use, uh, you know, for an arboreal without going full 32-ounce cup or you want to use it for a fossorial sling. They give you a little more room in them. And I had set up some of these for the slings. And at this point, I thought they were going to be a quarter inch. And I'm like, well, at least if we give them some room, it'll be easier to see them. and It'll be easier for me to do something with the lid that'll allow me to feed them. However, when I got the box and I opened it and Kelly sent the other two enclosures, I'm like, well, this is what he was keeping them in. It makes sense for me to put them in there. And what we have are dram vials are about probably the three inch tall by maybe a diameter of an inch or so. And they don't offer, you know, for a normal size sling, these would be great. But for something that's this vast, they don't offer a lot of wiggle room as far as being able to work with them. I think I should have, there's a point in the video where I stop. We actually cut some of it out where I'm just staring at the enclosure I had made up after the, after we housed the first one, I'm staring at the enclosure we made up. And I'm like, I think I say in the video to Billy, do you think we should use these instead? Because they're bigger. They will provide more room for the spider, possibly more places for it to hide. We'll be less on top of the spider. And we kind of went back and forth. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not, they move so quickly that my big fear, like when I put my H. David Bowie's into larger enclosures, I couldn't spot the spider when I went to open it. And that basically created a situation where it was like a gamble that the spider was going to bolt. I didn't know where it was going to bolt from, where in the smaller one, at least I can tell where the spider is. So it's kind of like, do you put it in something smaller, you can spot it, but then there's not enough room to react, or do you put it in something bigger where you can't spot it, but it gives you a little more room. I went back and forth. So for the second rehousing, I should have put them in the larger enclosures. And instead, what I did was we went and put it in the other little enclosure again, which was probably a bonehead play. That was my point where I could have learned from my mistakes and went, you know what? Obviously, these move quickly. Obviously, they're a little bigger. They're a half inch compared to the what I thought I was going to get a quarter inch spider. This isn't an overly large size container for them. Plus, they grow very quickly. So it's going to outgrow this container quickly anyway. I should have put them in that and I didn't. So there was another spot where I probably could have made life a lot easier for both of us. Now, granted, the second one goes much better than the first one, but only because we got very lucky with the second rehousing. And again, this was something else that when Mel contacted me, she mentioned, definitely put them in larger enclosures. They'll do fine. Lesson learned. They'll be going in larger enclosures from now. It's funny because I planned on once I put on a little size, I was going to put it in a really a much larger enclosure than I normally would have used for a spider that size should have started with a larger enclosure to begin with. Because what happens with the second one is we go to open up the container and we figure out where the spider is, and the spider immediately, when I set the container down inside the Tupperware I'm using to do the rehousing in, it immediately bolts out. And in less than, you have to see this to believe it, in less than probably a, maybe a tenth of a second, it jumps five inches. This is a half inch sling. It jumps five inches onto my hand. So we almost have a situation like exactly like what happened with the other one. But by the grace of God, it hops back five inches the other direction and just so happens to land in an Amac box that I had on its side that I was going to use as a catch cup. So it bounces off my hand into the catch cup and it's literally, bing, bing, that's it, that quickly. I slowed it down times eight. 
And it's still less, I think it's about a second it takes it to do it. That's how quickly this thing was moving. So that could have been another absolute disaster. If it had gotten on my arm, we would have had the same situation where Billy had to find it again. So again, definition of insanity, doing the same thing twice and expecting different results. We did the same thing. We didn't change much. We used the same enclosure. I used the same shirt. Dumb move on my part. So totally calling myself out on that. But it did go into the Amec box, which was good, except then we had to somehow get the spider into the vial. So what I ended up doing is taking the vial, putting it, it was on the top of the Amec box. I put the vial in, so the top of the vial was up against the top of the Amec box with the spider on it. The spider took, it literally, I think it was like five minutes first to finally get the spider to come down off the top of the Amec box into the other enclosure. When it happened, it kind of went down. I could see it. I was holding my breath. We got the cap on. Second one was in safely. So what a stressful rehousing. The funny thing was the next day we both got up and Billy comes to me and she's like, I actually was having nightmares last night. Those spiders got out. We couldn't find them. And I'm like, I did too. I had a nightmare that the spider bounced off of the table, ran across the floor and we lost it. So that's how much it stressed us out. It went well overall. They got where they needed to go, but there were so many points where things could have gone terribly, terribly wrong. So Again, talking about other things we could have done differently because this is a critique. One of the issues I had was I used the plastic container I used for my tarantulas, the small little sterilite bin. It's about five inches deep, maybe 20 inches by 16 inches across. It's kind of a larger one. That wasn't good enough to contain these spiders. And while we were walking the next day, I turned to Billy and I'm like, you know, I'm thinking for the next time we rehouse them, we need something that's going to contain them almost completely. We need something that's going to, if the spider bounces off, there's nowhere it can go. And I'm like, I wonder if we have used one of those cages they use for like butterflies or something. They have mesh cages they use for some like chameleons and lizards, reptiles, mantises, stuff like that, that are completely mesh. So you can see through them, but they basically provide a total, you know, you're completely surrounded in mesh. So if the spider were to bounce off, it would end off on the net or mesh or the netting and you'd be able to see it. It wouldn't be able to go anywhere. And it was great because Mel emails me to give me some critiques about it. And one of the things she mentions was using, I think she said the chameleon cages or they have indoor outdoor walk-in greenhouses that you can get and she says she does a lot of her rehousings of faster stuff or breeding in there because there's nowhere for the spiders if they get out they're in this like six by six by eight foot tall greenhouse that there's nowhere for them to go which is brilliant because then you have you know right now if i rehouse in my tarantula room there are places those spiders could go if they get off that table and onto the floor or onto a wall it could be a nightmare trying to find them however if you have something like this and again if space permits. That's one of those situations where it's nice if you have all the room in the world, but if you have a smaller room, this probably won't work. But something to contain the spider, even if it's a smaller, I think some of the, I went on Amazon and I was looking for what we'd actually use. They have the butterfly ones that are like two feet square by 18 inches tall, which would be a nice, you know, nice size to allow you to work in. It would just give you an extra barrier between the spider and the room that you're rehousing in. It would give you that extra, you know, obviously if it gets on you, that's a different ball game. But for the most part, I mean, next next time I think the trick is to keep the thing from getting on me. So we don't have to do that again, but I'll be dressed appropriately. But if it keeps you, if, if it's not on you and it gets out and it's running around on that, it's going to be a lot easier to keep an eye on the spider and to catch the spider than if it gets out into a big giant. Now, this room up here is 16 by 18 feet or so, or 16 by 20 feet. I think 16 by 20. Big room. So there's a lot of space a little spider could go and hide. 
So thinking ahead, I've already got a couple things in my Amazon cart that I will be looking to pick up. One, I don't know. I, I actually love the look of the walking greenhouse because it looks like it'd be very handy for breeding and such because you could literally let the spiders go anywhere they wanted. If they've done breeding, the male can boogie and get the heck out of there, which I think is what Mel said she used it for, which is brilliant. But I'm thinking for at least for this one, we're going to get one of the butterfly ones or the chameleon cages and use that and we'll do the rehousing inside of it. Again, with my videos, it's not about the videos or second. So we'll figure out a way to try to get a camera in there so we can get some decent shots of it. But obviously, if Billy's shooting through the mesh, the images aren't going to be that great, but I don't care. The idea is to get the spider from point A to point B without it getting on me, without getting on Billy, without it escaping, without bites, whatever it may be. So... Yeah, we probably won't have the best looking footage of the rehousing, but at least everybody will be safe and we'll have another potential debacle like the one we have here. So after we finally got everything situated and we kind of, you know, we both had a, an adult beverage to calm the nerves and we we're talking about it, I'm like, the next trick is going to be feeding them because again, and I even mentioned this during the video that feeding the David Bowies was an, an adventure. It was all hands on deck to make sure we could spot them because again, I had them in those vials where you pop the top of the vial. By the time you try to go and get the little food item in, they bolt right out. So I'm like, we have to figure out a way to feed these guys that it's not going to be a risk of them bolting every single time I open the enclosure. So what I ended up coming up with, I was it was going nuts. For me, when there's a problem that I have to deal with, something that's stressing me out, I want to get right on it. I don't want to wait and perseverate on it and obsess over it and have it cause more stress. I want to find a solution and try it out. So we're sitting down there and I'm like, I have to figure out how to feed these guys. So I came up with an idea where I should have done this beforehand, but I didn't think of it. But I took the one of the enclosures and there were little vent holes poked in the top with a needle or something. And I took one of those holes and basically first used the tip of a thumbtack to open it up a little bit. And then I used a utility knife to very carefully widen it up so I had a hole large enough to permit me to drop the prey items into the top. And this was important because one of the huntsmen went down and hid behind a leaf like it was supposed to. It was a good little huntsman. The other huntsman, anytime I touch the enclosure, bolts out from behind the leaf and goes straight to the top. So there's no way to open that thing without the huntsman being right there ready to escape. So I widened it up, took a little piece of tape, made sure it wasn't too tacky on the underside where it was going to go over the hole and put a piece of tape over the hole. And then later on, I took one of the little crickets and I dropped it in. And I took another little cricket and I dropped it in the hole and then covered it up. And sure enough, thing was hunting and eating both of the crickets later on. And there was no chance of it escaping. So I ended up doing the same thing to the other enclosure. I wanted, back in the day, I used to have corks around here, little tiny corks. I wanted to put a little cork in there, but I didn't have any corks. So we used the tape. It seems to be working all right, but I'm sure that a cork would work just as as well and then it was funny because we were talking about what we we're going to put them in next and I broke out a, something I did years ago there was this channel called Access Denied that was a guy did tarantula stuff it's one of my favorite channels unfortunately I don't think he's done anything for many many years but he had some, he, I loved his channel very calm and he had one video he did where he made basically he had a I believe it was a 32 ounce deli cup and he took the top of a milk jug cut the top off, the, the part that has the cap, and glued it, cut a hole in the top of the 32-ounce deli cup, glued that in there with, I believe it was hot glue, and then he had this awesome little thing where he didn't have to open the whole 32-ounce deli cup to feed him. He could unscrew the top of the milk jug thing that he glued in there, drop the prey in, and put it back in. And I remember telling Bill, Billy after we did this, I'm like, you know what? I think for the next time we're going to do something like that with whatever we do so we don't have to completely open the enclosure every time we have to feed. I've never, I did this once because I thought it was a cool idea, and I think it was with my C. lividus. I, for some reason, which was dumb because the C. lividus burned 
thorough and I never saw it. There was never any chance of it escaping, but I thought it was such a cool idea. I wanted to try it out and I did it with a couple things. It was like, oh, it was cool, but I've never had a need to do it with anything else I've kept. This is something I think that it'll work very, very well for. So whatever, we, you know, thinking ahead so we don't have the same problems, whatever we put them into next time, and I'm thinking it may be something like those eight by eight by nine inch containers I use, maybe something bigger. We'll see. It's got to be clear because I got to be able to see it. We've got some time to figure it out, but whatever I put them in, it's probably going to have that type of device to be able to feed it. So I don't have to worry about it bolting every time I need to add water, you know, soak down the substrate a little bit or drop a prey item in. It'll obviously make feedings a lot less stressful. So that's something we can do as far as feeding. But again, my solution for the slings, and this would have been a lot easier had I done it before I actually put the spiders in it because trying to widen open widen up those openings without you know doing anything to the spider that was kind of tricky but I think the trick would be to put a little hole in the top of the the dram vial cover it with a piece of tape a cork you know bung it up with a cork something like that and you'd be totally fine as far as not having to worry about the spider bolting out the breech as soon as you pop the top of that thing to feed it. And so far, I've fed them uh, five times, six times, and there's been no issues, knock on wood. So that is solved that issue. That is something you hear us talking about in the video. We're like, oh, feeding's going to be fun. We did solve that issue. So this isn't what I would call a failure. A failure would have been, and I had somebody come on and say, you know, good for you for showing the failure. I didn't think it was particularly a failure. Were there breakdowns? Did things go correct or as planned? Did things go wrong? Things absolutely went wrong. Did things go as planned? No, they did not. Did some of our rehearsals and some of our the ability to, you know, especially Billy in this one, her ability to stay calm and find that spider, save our butts? Yes, it did. But my thing is, a successful rehousing, and I've said this before, is when the spider gets into its enclosure with nobody getting hurt, the spider or the people. They don't always go great. It's I, If it was a failure, it would have been if we didn't find that spider. That would have been an utter, absolute disaster. Were there things in this video that went really wrong? Yes, there were, but inevitably we got the spiders in. Could it have been worse? Yes, it could. That second one could have gone the exact same way, which would have been, again, more of a nightmare of a rehousing. But in the end, we got them in where they need to be, and there was a lot to be gleaned from this. There was a lot of stuff that, we, you know, I think I, I, I would never say that I get complacent. That's not, I've always, every rehouse we do, I think about, I'm careful with. However, I do think I was unprepared in some ways to deal with this spider and its speed and its ability to jump. I think I obviously did some that we, we underestimated what could have happened. Even with all our prep work, even with talking about the fact the spider could get out, we did not set ourselves up for an easy experience. Even we could have done so many things to just make sure that had the spider gotten out it was easier for billy to find it was you know even having billy have her glasses now i think that's going to be a new one it's just making sure she's got her glasses with her when we do this because we, we nobody even thinks of that she's down there you know having you know enjoying herself playing a game or something or doing work on the computer and i say hey well you want to do a rehousing she's like sure and she comes up so even something like that would help but there is a lot to be learned from this and just to encapsulate number one be careful what you're wearing you know i it, never became an issue until now but what I wore was probably the worst thing I could have worn for that rehousing so wearing something tighter fitting something one single bright color so it's easier to spot the spider against it would have made a lot of difference would have made this a lot easier it would have went around my back belly would have went oh there it is and it would have been fine instead of sitting there agonizing over whether we're going to be able to find the spiders that are not only camouflaged against the color of my shirt but hidden in all the wrinkles because it was a blousey shirt having something better to rehouse in obviously with spiders that move this quickly and that can jump 
having just something that's good for a terrestrial, a little plastic bin that's only about five or six inches off the table isn't enough. Having something that has, you know, one of those mesh, mesh enclosures or doing them inside one of those indoor outdoor greenhouses to ensure that there's nowhere the spider can go that we can find it would be a much more prudent way to approach it so that right off the bat and and that's not something I probably would have thought of ahead of time but after the fact it became pretty obvious that we needed something that contained more of the area when rehousing these spiders putting them in something larger I did myself no favor somebody I believe made the comment that I was a bit of a masochist by taking spiders that move that quickly and putting them into such tiny enclosures yep I agree that was a head move it's just going to make it more difficult this thing's probably going to need a rehousing after a molt maybe we can get two out of it but even if we keep it in there after it molts a couple times that's going to be a big spider in a tiny enclosure which is not going to be fun to rehouse i think with the next one what we'll do obviously a lot of thought into it much larger enclosure and most likely something that we can easily lay these bottles in pop the top off and let the spider come out on its own we're not going to create a situation where we have to mess with the spider more than we have to because again as mentioned in the video and as other people have mentioned they may get bigger they don't get any slower so instead of having a tiny half inch sling that can move that quickly you can have an 11 to 12 inch spider that can move that quickly that's that's pretty impressive and that's pretty intimidating so we want to make sure we set ourselves up for success the next time so that'll be something else we look at whatever we rehouse in that we put it into something that offers some size and then with the feeding going ahead nothing that's going to allow nothing that's going to involve having to open up the container completely to feed it we don't want huge breaches you know most of my spiders i can take the top if i put them in a, you know say a big acrylic enclosure i can open up the whole top i can do my my work i can drop crickets in i can refill water issues there's never any worry of the spider getting out with these guys that doesn't hold true they get spooked they boogie and with the size of the enclosures obviously they're going to boogie right out of the enclosure and be lost if we don't take precautions so i think moving ahead making sure that whatever we put them into as juveniles and eventually as adults i have some things in mind for an adult that i think we're going to use but they have to be big and they have to allow us to be able to feed them without opening the entire enclosure up and basically saying here you go here's the exit buddy go boogie and we, we don't need them getting out that size in the tarantula room I'm, as much as it probably make for an entertaining video those aren't the kind of videos i like to produce so a lot to be learned from this one hopefully you guys get something out of it as well and recognize that hey we all mess up at times we all do things underestimate animals uh, again i tried not to we did agonize over this beforehand but i was obviously not as prepared as i should have been and kind of made things more difficult for myself and for poor billy who was the one that was responsible for trying to find that spider when it was crawling around on my back that was a very stressful situation for her and she handled it like an absolute pro so obviously couldn't do this stuff without her and her help that was one of those videos that showed just how important she is you know forget the the recording which she does a beautiful job of but being able to spot when something goes wrong how many wives are going to go help their husband find a huntsman spider that has you know somehow hidden itself on its back that's that's definitely deserves you know contention for wife of the year so Obviously, these guys are going to need a rehousing sooner than later, so you can bet your buns that we're going to be recording that one, and you can also bet that there will be, you'll see all of these changes implemented in that video, so hopefully it'll be neat later on to kind of compare, and I may do a video version of this well as well where I sit and actually critique the video and the rehousing myself like I don't know, I'll use the break the green screen out and just point to different things we could have done because I think there is a lot to learn here a lot of times you know when I do my rehousing videos 
I am confident with them. I am comfortable doing them. And the idea is to go, look at how easy they go. This is what you can have too if you're you know careful and you plan ahead and you don't lose your mind if something doesn't go well. But then you get something like this where there's even more to learn because you go, all right, look, at this didn't go well, but this is how we got through it. And these are the things we would change next time to make sure that doesn't happen. And we definitely have a lot to work on as far as that's concerned. And you'll definitely be seeing that in the next video. And hopefully the ensuing podcast, we'll do a podcast on it and we'll talk about how it goes. And hopefully it's, hey, I opened the enclosure. I put in the new enclosure the spider came out we got some pictures and everybody was happy that's i'd be more than okay with that one i don't need these super exciting stressful rehousings in my life and i may be speaking for billy here but i don't think she needs them either she was you know the fact that we both had a nightmare that night about the spider not that the spider was biting anybody but the nightmare was the spider got away that's how jacked up and anxious we were about possibly losing these spiders i don't care if it's a five dollar spider i don't care if it's 500 dollar spider i don't ever want to do something that results in me losing a spider in this room and having the spider probably die that would be terrible so luckily it ended well they went in it's actually only the whole thing only took about 15 minutes for both of them anyway so it wasn't a super long rehousing but there was plenty of excitement and plenty of excitement that probably could have been avoided had we done things a little differently so that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on Tom's Big Spiders on YouTube. And again, for those that want to actually see this in action, go over and head over, check out the video. I do think it's, in the very least, it's an entertaining video for all the wrong reasons, but you'll see all the stuff I'm talking about here. Um, obviously, on Tom's Big Spiders.com. That will do it for this one. As always, guys, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next time.